Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award-winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free, and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're on the dance for the Unlaced podcast. I tell you what, it's been a big year and it's getting even bigger. Um, for everyone that's been following all our recent episodes, I can't thank you enough. If you're new here, please hit that subscribe button. We really appreciate it. If you've come back, you know I love you. So um, today's a very big episode, though, a very big episode because this is a personal friend and a good mate. And before I go into who he is um, and, and why he's so big in this country and, and so profound in his sport. Um, one of the one of the moments we actually connected was uh, when you caught your first fish yeah. in the Gold Coast, Jason Marley. That's a moment I'll never forget. I'll cherish that moment forever. <laughs> before anything, before we talk that, that anything. Broke, that broke the ice. <laughs> that broke the ice. <laughs> we were fishing in the Gold Coast. Um, on the back of a dock where you were staying or right, whatever. I, I don't like, even I know what the water was. was like two meters deep. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. even like, I didn't even know there was fish in there. And three we, fish in a stingray. We were fish, yeah, stingray, three fish in a stingray in the space of like half an yeah. hour. Yeah, and, and no one got a fish all day. No one else. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm over this, bro. Someone give me something else to do. Oh, bro, but that was a special moment. I always feel like now whenever I see him, like, oh, that could be my fish, mate. As like a man. Yeah, yeah. I was there when he caught his first fish. Yeah, 100%. Like he rode his first bike. Training wheels are off. Yeah. Uh, mate, well, now, the reason why uh, I love this man is not just because of the, the person he is, but this guy is one of the best and, and biggest amateur fighters that this country's ever seen. Now turned pro boxer, but over 100 amateur fights, which is mind-blowing. A five-time national champion. Correct. Nine-time state champion. Correct. And 3-0 in the pro ring, baby. That's it. That's, That's it. That's Jason Malia. Yeah, so it's exciting times. <laughs> it's all starting to roll out. You know, the pro career is nice to sort of get the ball rolling with. It's been a long process, man, but we're here now. So yeah, good. fuck, man. It's crazy. I, I can't believe you've... Like, I knew you had a lot of amateur fights. I knew yeah. how well-regarded you were in this country. Like, people say you're, like, one of the best Australian amateur boxers ever. Oh, that's good. A, I yeah. like hearing that. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. Like, uh, literally, yeah. there's a lot of articles and yeah. people have said that. I've overheard say that. All oh, your mates say it. Uh, they have to. <laughs> yeah, they, they have, have to. to. <laughs> but, like, how, how, how did, when did you start doing amateur fights? Because to do 100, you're only, yeah. you turned pro last year, yeah. like, 26. Yeah. So, um, how it all started, I was very, oh, when I was younger, my old man was a boxer. Right. And um, I guess, I don't know, I was always a very, like, proud to kind of follow his footsteps. But unfortunately, back in the day, he had to, he had two kids and it was like, life was different. You had to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so he, he had a dream that he couldn't pursue. So for me, it was like, I'm in, I'm in a position where I've got a supportive family. You know, I'm going to really pursue my dream, but also his. So I had my first fight when I was 13. I ended up winning my first Australian title when I was like 14. Fuck. You know, so I guess I from being super young and like, having that kind of recognition against your name, like it was, I was proud and it was kind of it was a moment that I knew like I've, I've got a talent here. You know what I mean? And like obviously having the f- support of my family and my father, it was important to me that it was like, it doesn't end here. Like it, yeah. this is a beginning. This is just a, a stepping stone to something that could, I, I could become, you know? So ever since I was 13, bro, it's always been a very serious sport. Yeah. And so I've taken it as if like, as if a full-time job. Yeah, bro. You've, you're like chips in. Like, yeah, that's it. All, all eggs in, man. The basket's yeah. full, you know? That's yeah. that's the way I look at things. That's, uh, it, with And with a combat sport, you know, people talk about it all the time. If you are only 50% in, 
there's a chance of injury, a chance of getting hurt. You know, you can, you're in with boxing and any kind of combat sports and any sport, as a matter of fact, like if you are only half committed, you're not, you're not all in. Yeah. You, know, you need to be there. Absolutely. And give it absolutely everything you've got. Otherwise you're not going to get the most out of it. Fucking true, man. That's very true. And speaking of like, get, given your all chips in, as we know, um, like you've obviously hurt yourself now. You've got the elbow injury. So yeah. like, what's the, what's the latest with that? How's that been uh, for you? The elbow injury, I've dealt with it for a long time. For probably like the last six, seven years, I've always had like, I've lost 35 degrees in my elbow. So like wow. my extension on my left side, like right. it was just getting smaller and smaller. And boxing's an inch like, game. So that, yeah. Is that your jab? It's Is my your, lead hand. Yeah. yeah. So it's, wow. it's my busy hand. You know? <laughs> you can't get my, full range. I can't get full range. So <laughs> obviously with combat sports, like, an inch is the difference between hitting someone or missing someone. Yeah. It could be the difference between ending a fight or, you know what I mean, a blemish on your record kind of thing. So I guess for me, I dealt with it for so many years. I just had inflammation in the joint. And uh, what happened was like being young, I was like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm young, man. It's all good. You know, the, the elbow was good. I, I didn't really need the surgery, but mm. I got the elbow surgery to uh, prevent any sort of like further discomfort. You right. know, there was times like after fights, I'm like, oh, my elbow sore. Yeah. Um, so right now I'm five weeks post-op and, it's the hardest thing about it is the surgeon said to me it'd be about a 10 week recovery. And I'm like, man, what did you know? I'll be back in five. <laughs> but obviously he's done like his whole life is being oh, a surgeon. He's man. smart. He knows his shit. Yeah. So, um, the hardest thing is for me, like staying still, it's, yeah. it's been, it's been really difficult, you know, like to try and not to like add inflammation to the joints already. But look, I'm just hanging to get forward, bro. I'm hanging to get back into it. I can't wait to like, you know, continue the pro career and kind of let the, let it blossom a little bit. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask you because I feel like it would be difficult for you to stop because since you've turned pro, you've had three fights in pretty quick succession yeah. and your fourth one was going to be yeah. not long after your yeah. third oh, as well. Oh, man, I was, I was booked in. I was booked in August 24th. Yeah. You know, like I, I said to my manager, I'm very lucky I've got a good management team. So they kind of like, I've told them the deal. They know that I want to be an active fighter. Yeah. I, I'm not someone that just like fights every few months and like has a few months off at the end of the year. No. It's always been me. It's like it's like an ADHD thing. I'm, <laughs> I've, you've got to go for it. <laughs> yeah, you know what straight I mean? back in the camp. It, you know what I mean? I'll have a few days off post camp and I'm straight back into it. I just love it. I've yeah. always loved it. It's always been, it's never been like a chore to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the more success you get, the hungrier I am. And I'm like, it's it's the tip of the iceberg right now. Yeah. You got to go kind yeah. of thing. You know, that's the mentality behind it all. So like when I went, when I, I win something or something good happens. I'm like, we got to keep going here because yeah. like sky's the limit kind of thing. Yeah. Bro, do you know when I like, do you know when I was like, fuck, I, cause I've obviously been an athlete, but I, do you know when I knew you like had the glint in your eye and you were like, this is seriously what you want to do. <clears throat> when we're on, <clears throat> excuse me, when we're on holiday in the Gold Coast, I think I came around to your house that yeah. day and it was like, you're on holiday. Yeah? yeah. It's like one of those days, I think you might've just finished your first pro fight. We, yeah. we were like going to have a few drinks that yeah. day and like celebrate. And I turn up to the house and I'm like, fuck, where's Jace? And I was like, oh, he's at the gym. Yeah. And bro, you just came back drenched in sweat yeah. after doing 12 rounds. And I'm yeah. like, bro, it's, you're on holiday, yeah. bro. I just, it's, it's <laughs> I, absolutely, <laughs> man. But like, once again, it's like, it's embedded in me. Yeah, like, you, like, you know, like, I, yeah, exactly. And that, to me, I was like, I kind of need to tick the box. If I'm going to, if I'm going to enjoy myself, like I need to make sure I'm ticking the box first, you know, <sighs> the hard the thing with boxing is like the longer that you're safe, even though I was on holidays, I had just finished my press first pro fight. It was great. You know what I mean? I was told to relax. My coach said, relax. And yeah. I'm like, I just thought like, man, I'm going to go out and have a few drinks. Like I need to tick the box and like, I need to feel good about it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Earn the right. It's for me. I'm like, I need, yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I need to feel good about having a few drinks and stuff like that. And I've yeah. always been super dedicated like that. Like if I know that I've like post out of comp, I've had a big weekend or something like that. Like the mentality is like get back into it straight away because yeah. you can't slouch or 
pre having a few beers or something like that. Like I've got to earn the right to have them beers. <laughs> That's you know? like a curse, bro. Yeah, it, like it, honestly, it works with curse. me and it works against <laughs> yeah. me a lot. You know, because I remember just thinking, I'm like, bro. But it was, was like, like, man, you just it was like, okay, I've deserved these now. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. And you know, like, I see, you have but a few, in my eyes, I thought yeah. you already deserved it without that yeah, morning session because you just turned pro the yeah. last two years you had before yeah. Tokyo, everything yeah. like that, which we'll go into. Yeah, <laughs> You're still Every, there. I was just like, man, like I think it was uh, even with other things, like it's just something that's embedded in me. Like you've kind of got a, I don't know, like training. Even though if I'm not in camp, training doesn't stop for me. Yeah, whether whether it's boxing, strength and conditioning, running, I genuinely thrive off it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I love, I love sweating, and that's why it's been hard with the elbow because, like, they're a, they they just told me like chill for a few weeks, and I'm yeah. like, you're talking to someone that does not know how to chill. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Bro. But um, yeah, it's it's embedded in me to just do these things and make sure that I feel they feel good things to me. You know? Yeah, absolutely. they make me feel after as you know, once you exercise, you release all these endorphins. You feel yeah, good. Feel great. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the things we speak about a lot with athletes, and I feel like with boxing so much more powerful that's why I always love boxing as like like a fitness thing because always the mental side I always yeah. feel unbelievable mentally after it um, and I always think when you feel like kind of comfortable in combat sports it actually makes a difference to how you feel when you walk into a room or yeah. around the street and you're yeah. around people because like you kind of a lot of people are insecure and then yeah. you start like getting taught how to fight or self, you know, defend yeah, yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You feel confident. Yeah. But with you, for from a <coughs> mental aspect, how has it been slowing down with the injury? Like have you – It's been, that's I've struggled the most with that, you know, but it's like I think to myself it is right now, it's like if I don't slow down right now, it's just going to prolong my recovery, you know, mm. and I keep telling myself like, you know, because my, my mentality was like this is how my brain works. I was like, okay, my elbow is going to be out of action for a little bit. I'm going to run a marathon. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like committed to running a marathon. I think I got out of surgery on a Monday. By Friday I was running. You know what I mean? And they, yeah. t- they told me like chill. And I'm like, I'm not using my arm, man. I'm running. I'm using my legs. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But the jolting and stuff like that. And then I'm like, then I start putting this pressure on myself. I'm like, man, now I can't even run a marathon. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm not even a bloody runner. <laughs> but it was like the mentality of like being so busy to try and slow down. But now I'm just, I'm at peace with that. You have yeah. to slow down because- it's man, it's like six weeks out of my life. Yeah, I've got another f- how many years in my yeah, boxing career? Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I need to just chill. As hard, honestly, it was really hard to get to that piece, that moment though. Like, I yeah. did struggle, and I had like many thoughts go through my head. But if you don't slow down now, Fuck. I'm gonna be pushed out even longer. Yeah, you know. So I've kind of come to peace with well, it. Well, this all. was like more like a strategic decision for your career, was, just absolutely. to fix it. So yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy, man. The the last few months, but I want to kind of go back for the people that that don't know a little bit of how you got started. Um, I guess into fighting and, and all of that sort of stuff, but particularly like where you grew up as well, yeah. for, for those that don't know you. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in uh, Laverton uh-huh. and um, obviously in the west side of Melbourne. Main streets, um, bro. <laughs> main streets. I, um, back in Laverton, it was like a public school. Like, you know, I'm not one of them guys going to sit there and sit here and say my life was so hard. I, I had a good family. You know, I come from a good family. Where I hung where I hung around was, it wasn't the most amazing place. I did get into trouble as a kid. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, and that I think the turning point was winning the Australian title for me. Well, you know, how old were you then? 14. 14. Yeah. You know what I mean? I went to a school, I hung around all older guys. I've always hung around a lot of older people. Yeah. And um, I hung around a few people that kind of just didn't make the right decisions and stuff like that. So once I, d- I remember having a, a conversation with my old man. The conversation was like, you know, you keep hanging around these people or you're doing what you're doing. You, what are you going to do with your boxing career? And it was a turning point, it was a pivotal moment for me. Really? It was like, yeah, absolutely. And even though I was young and probably, you know, I didn't have the the brains kind of understand what he was saying. I look back now and I'm like, man, like 
he that was the the, the turning point. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I hung around for a little bit longer and did, <laughs> did, did my thing, but it was a, it yeah. was like I distanced myself from certain people who didn't provoke my career to kind of go the way it was. <clears throat> like I said, I've been all in since a young age. Yeah, sixteen, seventeen, I was overseas traveling, boxing, like I was busy. You know, so it was a, that that question for me. So obviously, I grew up in the West, and I've kind of had. Um, it's been a journey so far, obviously, like, you know, things have been wild over the last few years. But cool. I think, yeah, the biggest thing for me was that turning point with the conversation with him. That's it changed everything so for me. Powerful, you know, bro. and I honestly, I remember it like it was yesterday, the, the conversation. Really? I remember sitting down in my lounge room with him and we were, you know, I just, I'd been in a little bit of trouble yeah. and I'd been like getting brought home by like police and stuff at a young <laughs> age. And um, he just looked at me dead in the eyes, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. you know, you, you, it's either one way or the other. Yeah. And it's true, man. I like, feel like with me as well, when I was like 13, 14, I'm, when I moved to the AIS, that, I was like, that saved my life in a way. Yeah. Probably absolutely. like for you, man. But you hang around. But that's <clears> the thing, though. You hang around like you are a product of your of your environment. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. – you go to the AIS, and I spent a lot of time there as well, and it's like you walk around, you're seeing athletes and stuff. Yeah. When I was back young at school, I was hanging around people that just – they kind of didn't have any direction, which yeah. is sad. But, yeah. um, you know, like you, you kind of – make decisions and stuff that it goes off what other people are doing as well, you yeah. know? So until, like you said, like you hang around people, you go to the AIS, you're surrounded by athletes. Yeah. You just want to be the best version of you or Everyone the best. Like, you'd go to the, I'd go to the AIS as well. And I'd be like, man, like he's eating fruit and veggies as well. I'm eating fruit and veggies. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That, that's the mentality though. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's, it even though it's a one percenter, like that's how it works for me. Correct. You know, and you, you're, I'm a big believer. You're a productive in your environment. And, um, if you can, hang around with people that are like-minded, that they're trying to on the same vision as you. It just makes the path a little bit easier than obviously, you know, Absolutely. coming across what you come across. Absolutely, man. When you, start, when you started out boxing, did you have fear around it at all? And um, even now when you have fights, do you have fear uh, going in? Or maybe, you- maybe not fear. I guess uh, for me the mentality with boxing is like because I've been doing it for so young, like – from thir- 12 to 13 years old, I've always been in an environment of like, um, obviously back then it was men in boxing was a lot more, the women in boxing coming through now, but, and which is really busy, which is great. But back then it was all men. The women were really allowed to fight back then. So it was, I was always in, a, in, in an environment of like, I was young, man, and I was hanging around dudes that had been in the game for a long time, you know? So I was always like, I had this, um, I had this mindset of like, it was normal. Fighting was normal. You know what I mean? Like to me, like the human, I, when I tell people about like, you know, when I'm coaching people at the gym, fighting isn't, isn't wired in the human brain. Yeah. It's not, people don't, uh, don't wake up one day and be like, Correct, I'm going to be a fighter. Yeah. But when you hang around stuff from so long, it was like, I was embedded in my head that fighting was kind of normal. Right. I loved it. I loved it, bro. There was nothing better chucking your mouth guard in, head guard on and just going for it. <laughs> but it was, to me, it was like, you take certain things away from it. So I, fear is like, don't get me wrong, when you, pre, pre-fight night, there's a million, a million emotions going through your head. Yeah. A million. You know what I mean? I'll never be able to figure <clears> them out. But for me, like to this day, and it's a product of what I've done over the years is, I get, I'm confident in my ability. I know what I've done before. And I fought like, well, I fought current world champions. I fought people that have been around the block and that gives me confidence. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I've been in there the best before. No one's going to stop me. You know what I mean? Like that's, I think like, I mean, I was doing this stuff when I was 13, 14. 
I'm 27 now. Like I've got a, I've got a base that's huge. I'm just waiting for the peak to get a little bit higher. Yeah. And it was, that's how like my mentality is. I, I think to myself, like I've been there, I've done it. You know what I mean? This guy's got two arms, a heart, the exact same as me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I'm like, at the end of the day, I, I want it more. Yeah. You know, I want it more than this guy wants it. Yeah. But that was the mentality around things, you know, fear, don't get me wrong. There's always fear. There's scared. You don't know what's going to happen as soon as I walk in there. Can I get hit with the shot? Yeah. It's a million emotions, bro. But I pull myself back and I'm like, there's a lot of, t- you got to be present in the moment. You got to, f- you have to feel the emotion. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I can't, I can't bury it because it, it'll, it'll end up coming out in the, in the ring. It's like you feel the emotion. It is what it is. Um, and for me, a big thing that I have, I haven't even tattooed on me. It's called effort over outcome. I, I, just, I heard that quote one day and I'm like, if I can control my effort, you know, like I, I can say to myself, like, I need to win this fight because I need to go overseas yeah. or I need to win this fight because I need to do this. I can't control that. Yeah. No one can control that. But for me, it was like, hey, if I control my effort, I know that my training camp, for example, has been, I don't stop training camp. I'm always doing training camp. My preparation never fails. Yeah. But when I come to the fight night, it's like, I believe in my preparation and I believe in what I've done before. And that's my effort that will control the outcome. Yeah. You know? It's almost like, yeah, when you when you leave no stone unturned, absolutely, you're kind of content with the outcome. Yeah. And you're yeah, probably more yeah. believing you, that you're you going to win. You back like yourself. You want to win. Yeah, you obviously. back yourself. If you know that you're not covering all the stones in training camp Correct. or you're skipping things, like, man, doubt starts to run up and it's like, yeah. you don't want them, man. Not before combat sports. Like, you have that little bit of doubt, man. Well, I feel squished. like with boxing, you can't have that. Nah. You can't nah, have Like I said to you before, like, um, obviously prior to jumping on the potty, it was like, if you're 50%, yeah. You're gonna get hurt. Yeah, you know what I mean. You can't. That and that that fifty percent comes from the extra mile. You know what I mean. Doing that extra round or doing the extra kilometer with your run, yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah. Like if you haven't skipped anything, I'm very like OCD about training. Yeah. You know if I so what what I've obviously followed a very strict program and stuff like that, but I can't miss anything, man, because it's like I've revolved my life around these things. You yeah. know, and um, even at the AIS, they're big on it. We used to do like fifteen sessions a week, man. Man, the boxes it was. Cr- Scary. So we, do, used we used to do three sessions a day. So you do 7 a.m. Uh, a run and then 11 a.m. weights and then 4.30 p.m. boxing. So it was Monday and Tuesday, three sessions. So you hit six sessions already. Oh. Six People don't do six sessions in, a, in no two weeks. Way. On Wednesday, you'd have a rest morning and so you ju- and you'd take the weights off. So you just have boxing of an afternoon. So there's your seven sessions. And then Thursday and Friday, you do another six. You know what I mean? It's mental, man. At the end of the week, I'm like, I'm scooked, man. I, yeah, can, I can't yeah, do anything can't else. Move. But- I feel like being at the AIS, once again, the beauty of it was it just it built like this thing in me where it's like this is the program. you got to follow it. You know what I mean? If you're skipping stones on the program, man, you're not going to get nothing out of it. Absolutely. So even like at the AIS, there'd be mornings where I was tired, man. Like my body would ache. Mm. But I've got like 10 other teammates on the team that oh, we're getting up and we, we're going. Same. You know what I mean? You're a product of your environment. How you feeling, bro? You sore? Yeah, me too. Let's go. You yeah. know what I mean? That was like, all right, sweet. Yeah. Had to. Fuck so bro. that's like, that's the mentality with my programs at home. I've got to do it. Even though I'm tired, I'm sore and fatigued, man, just get it, get it done. Bro, when did, so given your, and before we sort of jump into just a bit before you turn pro, but like through the amateur ranks and, and obviously all the great work you were doing, when was it that you kind of started getting like the attention of like, this guy's the real deal, there's so much potential, yeah. like the interest from like the AIS, which is, man, yeah. the AIS for boxing, like obviously that's been built around like the <clears throat> Commonwealth and Olympic Games and yeah. stuff, but like they, they don't pick anyone. Nah. 
Like yeah, the very, best yeah, male yeah, and now female yeah, boxes. Yeah, absolutely. You can find. Yeah, it's a very confined space. You know Hugely. What I mean? like, only, they, they, so back then, you only take number one. It's a massive so complex. Yeah, it's number almost one each division, right? Yeah, yeah, so that was it. That's there's, it. I think there's across the maybe 12 or 13 divisions. Yeah. Um. You, yeah, if you're number one, you go. That's it. Yes. So, no um, number two, I no guess, number three. Uh, so obviously when I was 13, I went to uh, – so when I was 13, I had won my first Australian title – uh, 14, sorry, 14. And then what happens was that qualified me to go to the junior worlds. Mm. So there was a preparation camp at the AIS for the junior worlds, went to Kazakhstan. Wow. And, um, and then obviously coming home, once you'll kind of recognize as number one in the country, you kind of go on tri- camps and trips and stuff like that. So I was kind of always back and forth. But the, the, the moment for me that I kind of like, as a kid, don't get me wrong, like it, it was special and I was very proud to, to have that recognition. But as, as an 18, I just, I remember it so clearly, I just turned 18. So obviously it goes um, schoolboys, juniors, youth, elite. So once you're elite, you're fighting. I'm freshly 18, I'm fighting men. You know what I mean? So I just turned 18. So you, I think uh, elite was 19 and above, but because of my, my birthday, it was something with my birthday, the way it kind of worked. I was yeah. like, I'll jump in the elites. I'd won the state title and um, – so you, you win obviously the Victorian title and you, you go to the nationals from nationals. You then you go overseas. I won my, f- my second Australian title, uh, freshly 18 in an elite division. So you can win like a lot of people have won, um, Aussie titles as a junior and a youth, but don't, they, they're amazing and take nothing away from them, but you kind of get recognized as an elite. Right. As an elite, you're finding men. You're open right. now. You know what I mean? So once and, I – And you did that at what? 18. So the first <clears throat> year – my first year in an elite division, wow. I ended up taking out the division. I had three fights in, oh, in Perth shit. and I beat everyone. And um, that for me was like a moment that was like, okay, we're, we're on here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a lot of people have young success as a kid, but as a young male, sorry, young adult male, like yeah. it was like, okay, we're taking off a little bit now. Is that so, like almost self-realization then and validation for you that you can go? Or I did you already go. know that? I, it was uh, just more of you and I knew, but surface level, you know, like as a kid, that <laughs> was like I was fighting kids, yeah. you know, or, or young, young adults. Yeah. Um, but as an elite, as an old male, like there was guys that had been in the game for a long time, they're 30 plus and 18, you know what I mean? Or sorry, high, le- uh, higher 20s. Yeah. I um, I ended up having three fights and that was to qualify for the 2014 Commonwealth Games yeah. in Glasgow. Wow. And um, I ended up winning it as an 18 year old. I remember so clearly after my last fight, so once I had won the, the gold medal, my old man was there and he was crying, man. He was bawling his eyes out like in happiness. And Danny Green was there and Danny Green actually grabbed my old man and hugged him and pulled me away. He goes, look how happy you've made your old man. That's you know, it was, it was a, a moment for me I'll never forget. And um, being young, so that obviously that qualified me for the, the, the games and that's another, obviously another story in itself. Yeah. But I, um, for then it was that moment I was like, okay, we got something, here, <clears throat> you yeah. know, and then as an 18 year old, it's different now. Like you're, you're a young adult, yeah. you know, life had got more serious and it was like, okay, I'm not fighting kids anymore. Yeah. You have to prepare, bro. bro so you've got, men, you got, men, you got men coming at you yeah, now. Guys you know? with like 40, 50 fights. Or yeah. Is, yeah. You know? Yeah, like exactly. And I was young, I was young back there. I had a lot of fights as a, as That's a, so as impressive, a man. and, um, yeah, it was kind of like the breaking point was like, okay, we've got something here. Yeah. Well, cause, and this is why I think also, because you're super resilient, not just with your training, but as we've kind of touched on, you had this elite amateur career and obviously you've started <laughs> off in elite fashion in the pro ranks, but you also had like a lot of heartache and heartbreak, particularly because yeah. a big part of the AIS and points boxing was to go to sort of those, those of worldwide course, games. You know. I know you went to world champs and yeah. stuff, but like the Olympic games, the com games, all that sort of stuff. Like how, how were those periods for you? And 
Look, you know what? I learned a lot about myself through those times and it was a lot of self-reflection, but it was it was a building point. You know mm. what I mean? So what happened was long to, to cut the story back, I won the 18. Being 18, it was a it was a, a qualification event. So once you win the Australian title, it's either World Champs, uh, Olympics, World Champs, Com Games, and it's of that that's how that four year cycle kind of turns around. Right. So it was 2014 Commonwealth Games in Glasgow, and um, I had won the division. So like straight away, my enjoyment was like through the my pride was through the roof. So I'm like I'm qualified for the games, and then what happened was we went for a training camp. So I went to the areas. I think it was for about eight weeks. We had a training camp. So, and then like last minute, it was kind of like okay, what we need to do is like. So we were all training, thinking we're going, and then my my division had been dropped. Oh, and my God. I remember we were on the line. So you'd line up and you'd speak to obviously it's like an army fashion. You'd lay, you'd on a line, hands behind your back, and the coach would obviously talk. And the coach pulled me and another guy away, and he's like, you know, I want to have a chat with you. And I just man, my heart crumbled. I knew. I knew, man. And the boys on the team they knew as well. Like they pulled me, so I was heartbroken, and it was that was like a. The hard, one of the hardest things I've ever been through. 18, qualify for the games, it's been taken away from you. Yeah. And it was like a moment that I even I remember it, man. Like it makes me makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand yeah. up. It was yeah. it killed me, you know. I remember that day I'm like, I'm going home. So obviously in Canberra I needed to fly to Melbourne. The the worst flight in the world. Yes. I, I remember being in bed for like two, three weeks, <clears> man. Like as a young kid, I just dreamt of it. You know, and like being freshly 18, it was like maybe no one believed in me. I'm, I was the youngest on the team. I was, yeah. everyone had been a bit old. Everyone was the youngest on the team, except for Jai Pattaya. He was a little bit younger than me. Yeah. Um, and it was just gut wrenching. Like the hardest thing I've ever been through, man. But I remember like it took me a long time to go back into the gym. Really? Yeah. So yeah. I remember walking back into the gym maybe a few months later because it, the, the cycle, the games had been, I didn't watch not one of the games, couldn't yeah. watch them. Yeah, I, I turned the TV that. off, turned social media off, everything. I, I, watched, I wished all the boys good luck, <laughs> yeah. but I couldn't do it's it. It's not personal. Couldn't, wasn't personal. And they that. understand stood that. Yeah, I did. You that know, so I uh, went home. Sorry, obviously once the kind of dust had settled, I tried to walk back in the gym and I put my gloves on my To be honest, I bored my eyes out. Fuck. I'm like, what am I doing, man? Like, it was eating me, man. So I'm like, stuff it. I'll get myself back up again. I started training. My coach, Cal Bryant, Amazing man, like mm. he's helped me through some like some low times, and he wrote he rode the wave with me, you know, like we rode it together. So it was like I felt like obviously I had a support person, yeah. Obviously my family, and my friends as well, but like they couldn't they couldn't um, be with it with me. They didn't understand. They can't speak the boxing nah, language. They didn't understand way. what I'd been through and how I tried to get there and like the yeah. end result. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, I obviously got back into training. I was like, you know what, I'm young. Like it kind of shows me where I belong. That was the mentality. I'm like, oh, I belong here, man. I'm fresh at 18. People know about me now. Like, you know, end up winning the state title the following year to go back to the nationals. I think, oh no, so it might've been a dead year actually. So there was a year where there wasn't actually a qualification process. So then it got to like 20, that was 2014. The end of the games was towards the end of the year. 2015 rolled around. It was a dead year. There wasn't nothing there. You just, it was just the national titles. And then the 2016, obviously the 2016 Olympic Games, Rio. I'd won all my fights up to the final and uh, what happened was um, in the final I'd, I'd fought this guy named David Biddle and I was like everyone like after the fight had my hand up everyone's like yes 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 and then the decision went the other way oh. and look like I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say like I'm not a sour person if I lose I lose yeah. I cop it on the chin it is what it is you know like that's boxing, boxing though you know and it was just he actually David actually walked across and props to him for doing this he walked across the ring held my hand up and said he fucking won oh. he won you know what I mean and oh. it was just like man like 
I was like, man, the, the games for me, they're gone now. Like then I'm starting to have some serious doubts and they're like, long story short, I kind of got myself back again. So I'm like, I just, I'm young, you man. I'm, back, like, I'm keep coming back. So did, like, at this point, did you kind of delay turning pro because you missed Man, uh, I delayed Rio? turning pro because I wanted the Olympic Games. Yeah, that's what like, I thought, right? I wanted the Olympic Games more than anything, man. Yeah. Like I had spaces on my body. I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not tattooing there because I'm, <laughs> I'm the, the game, the rings <laughs> the are rings. going there, yeah, you know, bro. like everything. It was drilled into to me from a young kid. It was instilled. I was going. I used to have in my bedroom. I used to have like I used to print out um, Olympic game signs, have it on the back of my door, on the toilet door, mm. little things, man, like quotes around my room. You know, like it was just I was in it for that, bro. That's I, why I was like, I want to. It was never about like in the amateurs, you don't get paid. It was never about money or nothing like that. Mm. I told everyone I was going. I'm like, I'm going to the Olympics, mm. you know. And everyone like even at school and my friendship group, everyone's like, no, no, he's training for the Olympics. People knew it. So it was hard. And then I'm like, obviously, I waited around for 2020. I waited. You had to wait another four year cycle. Yeah, which, then, well, it was almost five. With the the put did they what, what happened in Tokyo? They started later. Oh man, so so. Yeah, Tokyo had been like a, a, a longer, a longer, a longer, a longer road. Anyway, yeah. long to go. Even go back a little bit more. I went to 2018 was for the um, Com Games in. Is that in Goldie? Goldie, correct. Yeah, yeah. It's Gold Coast. so I had won all my fights again. Got to the final. Anyway, I had um, there was a, a rival that's always been the the. Um, we've always kind of fought each other in the finals. He was from South Australia. And um, we met each other in the final. In the first round, I I think it was like 10 9. I beat him. Second round. He threw a punch, missed, and he come over and he headbutted me and he split my eye. So what happens in a in a fight? Usually, if they if it's an accidental head clash, what happens is they stop the fight, they go to the scorecards. Oh, so and then and there, the winner. Then and there, it was, it's the winner. And I knew how I'd been up because I've got a photo of the scorecards. But there was a rule that was like, if you do get a head clash, you can't continue to the next round because you're injured. I still can't fight, but it was the final. Oh my god! Yeah, bro. so they took it away from me again, man. And I was like, I've got a photo of the scorecards. Anyway, there was a long back and forth thing, but I'm like, man, I'm fighting a losing battle here, you know. And oh. then obviously, yeah, fast forward to oh, it was heartbreaking, man. Like I'm like, man, why, why? Like I'm so close. Like I've been here before. Like why is this happening? Yeah. I couldn't even control it, bro. I was up on the scorecards. I got yeah, a head clash. You I know feel what I mean? like it almost a, a few times. Even yeah. the last one, I was like, bro, yeah. a lot of it was out of your control. With yeah, COVID, you know. Bro. So and even like, man, it's, it started like. It, there was it erupted in boxing Victoria because yeah. everyone was like that's bullshit you yeah. know what I mean but yeah. it was like it didn't they had to cop it yeah and um, fast forward to 2020 I was like I had won and I can't remember going back now it might have been my fourth Aussie title I qualified for Some the world championship. I qualified. <laughs> I qualified for, to go to Russia, so for, for the world championships. Yeah, and um, beautiful experience, man. Like obviously preparation camps. I was like, same thing. I'm like, I'm not watching the games, bro. I turn the TVs off. Support the guys that were there because I knew them all, but I'm yeah. not. I'm not watching it. Couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. Next year rolled around. End up winning the Australian title again, and it was to qualify for the world championships. And I'm like, this is amazing. You know. It's starting to unravel a little bit here. Is that now. as high regarded as like Olympics at that level for Absolutely. boxing? At, at the, you've got the best in the world. It's the you know same I mean? so thing. The way, sense, it's, a right? bi- it's a bigger pool. So you've got your – in the world championships, a lot more people can go. In the world – sorry, for the Olympics, you got the same pool, but it's – sorry, you got the same people. Just less. The pool, less. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's you got to kind of like fine-tune <clears> things. Right. Okay. So I went to Russia, was over there, had a preparation camp with AIS, all that kind of jazz. It was amazing. I fought um, – Jeez, I can't remember his name. He's from um, – he was an Olympic silver medalist. I'm having a blank. But he was 
a Cuban boxer that had moved to Azerbaijan. Right. So he had boxed so as a Cuban. Asian conference. Yeah. Right. So he boxed as a Cuban his whole life. Jesus. I think what happened was long, what a little bit of background on him was he had won the silver medal. And then once you lose at their national squad as a Cuban, they kind of like forget about you. It's either you're the best that or you're not even it. there. Yeah. So Whoa. he'd moved to Azerbaijan. So I fought the Azerbaijan so uh, guy and he beat me on a split decision. But it okay. was like a lot of people were like, like even a lot of, when I walked back into the rooms, a lot of guys were like, that was the most bullshit decision. They only thought the reason why he'd got it was because of the record he had. Right. You know what I mean? I hit him with every shot in the book. Yeah. But unfortunately, I still come out in the race. But it was a learning curve. You know, I copped it on chin. I learned a lot from it. That meant that after the world championships, the qualifications for the Olympics, which was Tokyo, were right around the corner. So mm -hmm. it was like, I, there was no break. I'd kind of come home, had like a week or two, like deload, and then preparation camp again for Tokyo. Yeah. I'd won, that was my fifth Aussie title. I'd won that for the um, Tokyo. So I'd won everything. So the qualification event was like, good. So you're now represented as an Olympic hopeful. So yeah. there was obviously the team of, uh, I think it was about 15, including the females as well. I was an Olympic hopeful. So now I it was out of Australia. The next competition was um, Asian versus Oceania, uh, sorry, Asian Oceania Games. Right. So all the Asian Oceania Games, you get two, as to go to the Olympics, you get two chances. One chance is um, in your continent, Asian and Oceania. The second one, so obviously all the other continents, mm -hmm. the second, if you don't make it, if you, I think you come top four in the division, you qualify. Right. If you don't qualify in the first event, you have a world event. So it's like all oh. the guys that didn't make it all around the world, right. you come together and then it's like top 10, Fuck. you know? So I I went to, uh, so long story short, we went to India for four weeks for uh, a training camp. And then the qualification event was in uh, China in, uh, where did COVID start? Jeff's. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> what was it called? Wuhan. Wuhan, 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 was, Wuhan, Wuhan was where the event was. What? Yeah. Were so, you there pre-COVID, so, Wuhan? So, we, so when I was in India, we had found out about a fish virus. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah. My so God. we're like, we're, we're ready to fly over to Wuhan. And everyone's like, the World Health Organization, they're losing it. They're like, don't fly there. So the whole qualification event got canned. So right. we flew back to Melbourne. So I spent four weeks in India, flew back to Melbourne. I think it was there for two weeks. And they're like, nah, we're going to reschedule it to Jordan. And um, so then what happened was we then team packed up. Again, I was home for like a week and a half, two weeks. Team packed up. We went to Thailand for uh, two or three weeks. We were really stayed in Sam Sambura, I think it was called. It was unbelievable. Kind of like deserted. There's no one there. Is this like almost like the Australian boxing the team? Australian, it's not so just you and your training Nah, team, nah. Right? It, was, everyone. It, it was everyone. It was a team. So it was about 15 of us plus coaches. There was about 20 of us maybe, uh, maybe a little bit less. Um, so we went to Thailand and then from Thailand – we had flew to Jordan and it was the, obviously COVID was spreading rapidly, yeah. but it was still such early days, man. It was, it was 2020 March. So no, so it was like, nothing was kind of like, no one kind of knew what was going on. Yep. You know what I mean? But we knew that there was something spreading rapidly around the world, but we didn't know what it was. So we flew to Jordan in Jordan. We had two weeks there. I fought the Iraqi boy. I beat the Iraqi boy. Um, on a unanimous decision. And then my second fight, I fought the Jordanian boy in Jordan. If you don't KO and you can't KO, <laughs> he could, I could have KO'd him and he still would have beat me. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but you can't, but, you can't, can you knock that? You can't knock them out at that level, really, can you? Well, like there I mean, is, there can. is knockouts. Absolutely, there is knockouts. Flush right. shots always happen, but right. it, it's a, it's high, higher chance. It's of, more you know points I mean? game. Right? Yeah, Technique, yeah. It, it, it's chess. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, chess. Correct. Um, so I fought. So in international level of boxing, you'd go to this big arena. There was two rings. Honestly, would have fit thousands. When 
no one from Jordan's fighting. There's like 500 people there, bro. Oh, you no. could just see seats all around. When there's a Jordanian boy fighting, oh. the whole country comes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was like when I had walked out, I could hear in the crowd the Aussie team supporting me. But when the Jordanian boy came out, oh, yeah. it was like the whole crowd erupted. But I was like, didn't didn't settle me at all. Sorry, didn't um, rattle, you know, rattle me at all. We ended up fighting and credit to him, he was strong. He come on strong from the first round. He didn't get, get me in a split. So that had meant my... Asian Oceania was, so was over. So you had to go to the world. So I had to go to the worlds. you know. He ended up qualifying for it. He ended up beating that, – oh, sorry, that fight was to qualify. Right. So he had beat me to qualify Fuck, for the game. that's stiff in his home oh, turf. Why bro, don't they give you a packed me. Marvel Stadium? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it would have been different. Bro. Exactly, exactly. bastard. Anyway, long story short, the, the, we had followed – a few of the Aussies had, had qualified, so then we all went home and um, COVID had like really, really had erupted now. Like it was mm. a massive thing around the world. Obviously, Melbourne, as you know, we we're in lockdown now. So mm. I remember uh, coaches had said, like, just be patient. We'll get this. So we we're supposed to fly to Paris. We we're supposed to go. The, that's where the, the qualification, the last event was. Oh, so they held it there. They held so it in Paris. Yeah. So that's where the location was. So I'd gone home. I'd kind of kept training a little bit, because, but there was going to be a preparation camp. So we we're going to go to the AIS for a little bit. And I think we we're supposed to go to Spain for like two weeks before and then fly to Paris. Got like two or three weeks later post um, post Jordan event, and I remember just trying. I remember going for a run one morning and coming back, and the the, uh, the head coach of Australia, I had a missed call from him, and I'm like, "Fuck, he, that's not good, man." Like, it doesn't yeah, often. it doesn't happen often, you know. <laughs> anyway, so I'd, I'd, his name was Kevin Smith, and we call him Coach. I'm like, "Hi, Coach, how are you?" And he pretty much just said to me bluntly, like, "The Paris event's been cancelled." Yeah, you know what I mean. And I'm, he's like, "If you didn't qualify in Jordan." Unfortunately, I don't get to qualify. And I'm like, nice. that's my dream gone. I'm like, I had worked at that phone call just like rattled So that me. was it after that? That was it. I couldn't even qualify again. Oh I, could, I didn't God. even go to Paris. I couldn't get there. Paris was like crazy with, in, with COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Paris was one of the worst places there was oh, with God. like um, with COVID numbers and stuff. So it was a hard pill to swallow, man. I was like, man, I've won all these titles and stuff, but like I have nothing to show for it. Not yeah. that I didn't have nothing, sorry, but like that was the mentality. I was you like, wanted to show the world. I wanted to show the world and the Com Games, Olympics. Like I'd kind of been this close, bro. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it was the hardest phone call I reckon I've ever had. Like hearing that the the whole event was off. You know what I mean? Like there was a few Aussies that were in the same position as me. Some qualified earlier, but some didn't. And it was yeah. like, I didn't even get a chance to prove myself, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, so obviously all the top guys out of all the contents had already qualified. So I was going in, like I had a good hot rating. I was like, so I think it was like the way it worked, if you're like 20, 20th in the world or something like that, I just missed the qualify. I was out by like a So few they were spots. just going to pick the next best by rankings? By rankings, so by points and rankings. And I just missed out by like two or three spots. Oh, you know? <laughs> oh man, it was oh, like, but bro. I'm like, then now I'm like, I was 25, 26, 25. Because I'm like, I want to turn pro at 25. Yeah. COVID literally just hung around, obviously, as everyone knows, for like two, two and a bit years and yeah. like couldn't even do anything in Melbourne. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I wasn't even on the Aussie team anymore. I resented the amateurs for so long because I'm like, I've given it my all and I'm just being chewed up and spat out. So I kind of resented it a little bit. I'm like, I'm turning pro, I'm turning pro. My, I think my pro debut got cancelled like three times. Yeah, I remember. I was supposed yeah, to fight. Yeah. Like yeah. I I had two options, you know. It was you were like, in at the longest training camp ever. Oh, man, my training camp <laughs> was like six like months. three, yeah, yeah, but honestly, yeah, it was yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, so what happened was I got home and I remember speaking to my support and I was so heartbroken. Like no matter what you said, you couldn't fix it. No one could fix it. There was no words that 
that fixed that situation. I just had to kind of like live with it. Mm. And um, I remember my coach, he said to me, he's like, you got two options. You know, like option one is you fucking sit around and sulk and you, you, you want sympathy from everyone or anything. Or number two is we turn pro and we make it, we make people know who you are. People, you know, we make a situation out of this now. Mm. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not that guy. Like I'm not going to sit around and fucking want people to feel sorry for me. I'm going out to get what's next for me now. Like it was like I'd closed the book. The chapter was done. So you Olympics, didn't like sit there and dwell too much. You were straight I did. Up. Don't get me wrong. I All did, right. man. Okay. Like, it, And it still burns me to today. Yeah. Like it's, I still, when people will talk about Probably it, like it never will, man. <laughs> I, it's still, I, man, I had nightmares about it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so what was the formula for you to get your head back like into that mindset of like, I oh, fuck this, we're going to go pro, we're going to go It was like it. close the book. And a lot of people had like kind of messaged me before. I've got a very pro style. I like to sit and bang a little bit, you yeah. know, like yeah. people know when I come, come to fight, you know. <laughs> so in the pros, it was like you fight with eight ounce gloves, you kind of mm. suit that style. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to sit around and dwell on it, man. I can't. Like yeah. most of my, I, I'm not that person. I've got to get back up. And I had very good support that people were like, you know, like get back up, keep going, um, you know, like really make, make something out of it. I had a lot of good people that supported me back then. Right. And um, yeah, I uh, I ended up turning. Um, the, they had made this big fuss about me because I was turning pro, which yeah, is great. I remember. It was remember, like the like, greatest fucking of, amateur lot boxer of, ever. Yeah, a lot yeah, of a lot of articles, a lot of a lot of um, Instagram stuff. It was crazy. It was blowing up. I think mm. it was like June 9th or July, June 9th, first one, and like was training, training, training. Bang! Like mm. I think it was nine days. So we kind of got out of the lockdown, and then we were supposed to go into it, and then yeah, we ended up. A few days prior, they're like, thing, and I'm like, man, I'm cutting weight like mad. Yeah, I remember, you know what I mean? Bro. So I had fought at 69 in the amateurs. In as a pro, I went down to 66. I struggled to get to 69 as an amateur. Like, <laughs> in the difference is in the amateurs, you fight the same day. In the pros, you have 24 yeah. hour weigh-in. Yeah, I was depleted as bro, and they told me I'm like, fuck, like. Anyway, so they said we'll do. I think it was like a few months later, and I'm like, all right, cool. Might have been like maybe September or something like that. Like, at the top of my memory. Same thing. Didn't really stop training camp. Had a bit of a deload week and kind of went again. You know what I mean? Mm. Same thing happened. Lockdown. Can't do it. I'm like far out. Like Jesus, man. everything in my life, everything was turning against like, me. Like, I'm like, yeah. you're still training? And it was, yeah. it, everyone, everyone said to me, you'd be so fit. Wasn't the case. The as, it was like, as an athlete, as you know, like you build, you build, you build, you peak and you come down. down. So it was like, I'd build, I'd build, I'd build, I'd peak. I come right. down a little bit and then build, build, build. So towards, I'm, I'm getting, I'm burning the candle at both ends here. Yeah. I'm tired, man. People are like, I'm towards the end. I'm like, I'm resenting it. Yeah. But so obviously that the third time that it had kind of come through, then it was like, oh, the third time we're kind of here, yeah. you know, we're gonna get, yeah. Yeah. Um, I had got to December 11th and uh, we finally made it. Thank bro, God. It you was know? a fucking <laughs> hell of a night. Thank man. God. I had a lot of people there as well. It was oh, good. Bro, yeah. And a lot of pressure now as well because everyone's like, I want to see this guy fight. We've had that many times to see him. Yeah, been I know, like you know? this guy, you've had his duck and fight. But <laughs> once, I, um, once I obviously got the win, I was like, man, it was like a weight. I could like, then obviously like I, I had a weight off my shoulders, man. Yeah. I was like, oh, I can relax. Like, You're so I can go again. And then I ended up fighting again in I obviously New Year's. I ended up going again in March. And then I ended up I think my last one was May. Yeah, and you then, fought like yeah. three in six months. Yeah, I tried to go which, straight away. Bang, which I love, man. Yeah. I think it's like some of the best boxers in the world. Like it's like now when you get to a certain point, it's like a money thing. It's yeah. people duck and weave yeah. and fight twice a year. And it's yeah. like, fuck, bro, yeah. fuck that. Um, well, actually, before we go into the pro ranks, because I do want to talk about, because I've been to, I think, two out of your three fights. Yeah. yeah, two out of your three fights. But a lot of people might not know about you, but like a bit of a sophisticated businessman as well. Um, 
And it probably was around the time with the Olympics and some of the heartache there that your gym, Crew Fitness, which is obviously well known around our city, um, was being developed. But what was sort of the mindset behind that and the concept and, and what sort of made you want to get in that space? Um, I'd been in the industry. I started work really young. I used to be a PT at like 15, 16 because the boxing had kind of like fan formed me into like, you know, trying to like push what I love onto other people. You know what I mean? It was, a, it was a, it was a blessing that I had boxed for so long. And then I tried to be like express my boxing and I loved weight training. So I ended up working at a gym and developing like a little bit of a, um, obviously a background in personal training and stuff like that. And obviously, um, long story short, after the Commonwealth Games uh, 2018 loss, I ended up moving to London. So I had worked I had worked for um, a PT in the background to support my boxing and whatnot. And then I ended up moving to London uh, for four months. And over there in wow. four I lived in a boxing gym. So I was over wow. in North London in Islington who like they're the greatest people ever. I'm welcome back with open arms. But I literally open my bedroom door. The ring would be there. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. So I spent four months over there in London. I had seven fights over there. Loved it. That's Learned crazy, a lot, man. man. Learned a lot. And anyway, previously I'd been working obviously with my mate Damon Falzon. We'd been in the exact same situation. He would be a PT as well. I'd be the PT as well. And we'd built this brand, you know, and the it wasn't even crew fitness back then. It was kind of like he worked for himself, I worked for myself, but they ended up so joining joining and forces. Right. And obviously that's how crew was crew was made. So we opened in August 2019 and then the lockdowns and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we crazy would do, time for yeah, business. Bro. Yeah, crazy, crazy. And then the lockdowns was like unbelievably challenging. Fuck. And then we ended up um, very lucky. We landed a location in Hoppers Crossing and we opened December 11th, which was the exact same day that I'd made my pro. Yeah, you know? Jeez. Life was stressed. I was getting pulled from all angles, but lucky, very lucky. I had some good support systems to help me and people through the build, like, you know, family. Um, I had a relationship that helped me at the same time. Yeah. You know, friends, family, everyone helped me. It was great. Um, but we'd built everything all the way up in the last week. I'm like, man, I'm so dehydrated. <laughs> and I'd literally go to help. My cheeks are sucked in. I'm like, oh, bro, I can't even do this. But the last week we got had got it over the line, yeah. Bro, I just want to describe this place for the listeners. It's like a, kind of like these warehouse sort of gyms, but they've got like most unbelievable equipment that's built on like classes and atmospheres and the music's bouncing, the coaches are talking, people are in there. Then you've got recovery studios, Pilates, yeah. cafes. Like it's like a modern day. Yeah. The thing gym. about it is Boom. like for, for us as an athlete, there was always like you'd go to a gym, like I go 10 minutes down the road to recover. So yeah, do you know what I mean? I want to go 10 minutes down the road. I want to do Pilates. I want to work on my foot mobility. Yeah. Why not have it all at one? Yeah, bro. Yeah, you know, that was the kind of, I'm like, amazing, man, I don't man. want to go elsewhere for my coffee, bro. I want to come to the gym. I want my coffee <laughs> yeah, at the bang, gym. Bang, bang, bang. That's it. So it all kind of intertwined. And that's, that's, we obviously built like an incredible place now and it's only just getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, man. I'll oh, shout out to also the Crew Fitness Christmas parties because apparently they are one of the best parties in <laughs> Melbourne. Yeah. So I've been told. Never <laughs> been there. Supposed to go last year, but apparently so. <laughs> you missed out. <laughs> yeah, I always miss out. But for me, I don't know if this would help your boxing, but if maybe before I go into that, like how do you manage? Obviously, you've, you're so focused on boxing yeah. and your training, but then you've also like you're up early, you're running yeah. classes, you're bouncing between a yeah. couple of the, the gyms you have. Yeah. Like how are you managing that? Uh, at first, it was very tricky. So when we first started Braybrook, uh, myself and Damon, we had no – it was like a fob system. So like anyone – there was no alarm system at the gym. So what would happen was like I'd, I would work from 5 a.m. to like 12 – because we're an all-day gym. We're open from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. Yeah. So we would, I would open at 5 a.m. I'd stay there to like 1 o'clock. Damon would come from 1 o'clock and he'd stay there to like 9, 9.30, 10. Fuck. It was a big day, man. I'm like, man, I'm struggling. We ended up finding – 
to get a, um, a fob system. So like, yeah, now it's keeper. So like after your class, you could go home. Right. But in terms of like management stress-wise and stuff like that, it was hard. I struggled with it a lot at the start. Yeah. I, um, I think it's just about the communication and bouncing off things off people. Like we have certain roles that certain people do, yeah. you know what I mean? And it was just like delegating. If I'm not good at something, delegate it, you know what I mean? Making sure that like I tr if you try and take on too much, like it's just you get flustered. Yeah. So like I delegate things and try and like, okay, this is, you're good at this, you do this, you do this. And we complement each other in the, in the right ways. You know yeah. what I mean? And we're now the team's huge. We've yep. got nearly 20 to 25 people that work for us. And it's incredible. Everyone knows their role. People like, they're so helpful, man. And like, you know, I guess it gives us a little bit more time to like, overlook the business, see what, what we can do. But when you're working flat stick and training flat stick, it's hard because you're like this. Yeah, tunnel vision. But when you're, you can step back a little bit, people work for you. I have good trainers. I have an amazing team. Yeah. I can now like focus on the outsider yeah. thing. I still, we still work a lot, but I, yeah, I never, I I never, we'll never stop. I love it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I love it, man. I love being in the gym. But all the other some stuff, like we've got, a, you know, a full-time manager, like she does all the background stuff that we yeah. used to do and everyone, everyone delegates, you yeah. know? Does that help now for like instance when you're injured and stuff? Like gives you something Absolutely. to sometimes I found when I when I'm fucking can't play soccer or whatever at the time. Yeah, like you change I lose your focus. focus. Yeah. yeah you, I, I lose focus a lot. Bro. But for me, it's like, okay, I can't focus on boxing at the moment. I'm gonna yeah. focus on work. You you're still up at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. running five, classes. Yeah, bro. exactly. It's still doing what you can, you know. Yeah. Like I uh but it's it's I'm like I've always got to have something to do. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I said before, it's like you've you're always I'm always on the go. Yeah. So when I can't do boxing, it's like, okay, work, 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 work. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think one of the things uh, for me as well, I think we spoke with Chris about this, Braden, is um and because you've been so ingrained in us boxing for so long, do, do you find that like Australian boxing's coming back? Like it obviously is, the man. early two thousands, late nineties, yeah. it was fucking booming in the yeah. mundane greens, like Costa yeah. Zoo, all those kind of guys. But now it's like it's booming, man. Everyone wants to watch the fights, yeah. Cambosis, yeah, know? yeah. Oh, there's some incredible fighters around the country, man. Like yeah. people have done a lot. Obviously, George Cambosis is the hottest property at the moment, and he's he's ingrained. He'll be will obviously go down in the history books. He's done an incredible job. Good on him, like yeah. you know. And that's what it's about, man. Creating a future. And he's done it. He's done the hard work, you know. And yeah. it's like as younger athletes, like, man, I look at that, I'm like, man, that's goals, you yeah. know. Like, And right now Australian boxing is booming. There's some incredible fighters coming around. We were speaking about this actually before we jumped on. I want to get your opinion on it on here because I think it's really interesting what you said. But even though as talented as you are and as talented as other boxers are, like how important is it to sell fights? Yeah. Like how important is it for you to be recognized yeah. for sponsorship for, for, for fighters? Yeah. Is that almost as important I as your skill set? As in the amateur, the way I look at my boxing career is like in the amateur is my, my apprenticeship. You know, that's that's where I've done that's where I've done the building. You yeah. know what I mean? In the professionals, it's like, okay, now I've I've got to sell it. Yeah. I've sold in the people know I can fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? But in the pros, it's it's different. In the amateurs, man, you're in there for nine minutes, you're in, you're out, you win, you, you go, you're on to the next one. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's they, they just turn over so quickly, man. I had four or five fights a week sometimes. But in the pros, it's it's a training camp for eight to ten weeks, whatever it may be, and then like your six to eight rounds or whatever it is, it's a show. People are coming to support you, people are coming to watch you. You've got to sell it. You know what I mean? It's and that's why it's important. Like, you know, you've got to be confident in in the brand that you've got. And I've always had Team Malia since day dot. Yeah. You know, the day I started, I'm like, that's my last name. We're going for it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, as people know that like on all of my shit, my shirts, people buy my, the merchandise, it's Team Malia stuff. Mm. So when I hit the pros, it was like I I built the, the brand a little bit, but it was still very, very early. You know what I mean? You've got to continue to lean on people, sponsorships, like – 
it's hard as an athlete, man, as it is. You know what I mean? Like oh. boxing, you're not making millions of dollars in your first few fights. No. You know what I mean? Like no. you're starting a few little, a, a grand here, grand there, whatever it may be, you know, chucking out random numbers, but you've got to build. Mm. And that's where I look at it as like I've built the the brand in the amateurs, my apprenticeship. I've done my apprenticeship. Now I'm going into the the the, the real world kind of yeah. thing, you know, and I've got to really sell myself. Um, you've got to be out there a little bit, you know, like there's some, you know what, man, I've seen incredible fighters that don't sell themselves, that yeah. don't get the rec well, recognition. That's what, yeah, that's what I found interesting when you say that. Right? Yeah. Like, did you find that hard? I mean, naturally you're like a good speaker. You're pretty outgoing. Um, everyone knows you're a boxer, but like, is there still an element of like, that's fucking hard for you to do? Like, yeah, because you you've got, got to go put out there and put on an image. There, and you know, like I, shit, realistically, if there was, if it was easy and it goes off your record, <clears> you just sit back and let it all unfold in front of you. But yeah. unfortunately it doesn't work like that. Yeah. You know? There might be times where you you got to call people out, or you have to kind of like make a stand for yourself. I'm calling out all the wild twats in the shot. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. that stuff sells, man. People are like, whoa, do you see what he did? See what he did? And it creates conversation. Once it's created a conversation, there's a stigma around like, okay, this guy can know this guy wants well, he wants it. Yeah, you know, look at like um, Paul Gallon's amazing at it. Yeah, he's in from a, a whole career of NRL, but making the most money in boxing, making right? the most money in boxing because he sells. Yeah, don't get me wrong, his incredible sportsmanship has got him to where he is over the years, but yeah. like. He will tell you what he really thinks about you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. and that's people on the TV are like, "Oh man, did you see that?" Like, oh, he's been. Oh, it might even be the opposite way. People might yeah. be like, "I don't even like him," but I want to see him. I want to see him get bashed. But then they watch him. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's kind of like a catch twenty two kind of thing, you know. But I, I've always said to myself, like, I'll never sell myself someone I'm not. I'll stay true to who I am, and that's that's important to me because I, uh, I don't want to create an image where. It's not. It's not me, yeah, and I don't want to carry. I don't want to carry right? it all the, for the rest of my career. Because you could easily do that and probably do some stupid shit and sell some fights. But yeah. Like at the same time. But at the same time, it can blemish you. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Uh, just speaking of that, because one person that I love in press conferences and I think is great and close to home is Cambosis. Obviously, the I want to kind of go through the last fight and build into this second fight with Devin Haney because yeah. I know you had a ball at the first one with our yeah. with our good friend E. Yeah. So shout out him. But. Um, what did you make of that fight? Because you were there, you had fucking yeah. You know. Well, I I'd been I was Devin Haney's main sparring partner. Oh, that's right. Yeah, didn't you get fucking yeah? That's right. How, yeah. how, tell so, me about that actually. So how it that was amazing. Was obviously, the fight had been pushed to obviously come to Australia, which is amazing for Australian boxing. And um, long story short, he come to Melbourne. So he was at, actually at the Team Atlas gym. So yeah. they, they hosted him, kind of thing. And I've got a very good relationship with them due to the fact that I was fighting on their shows. Yeah. And I just think like I had seen him land and I had literally replied to one of their stories and I was like, oh, unreal, like that's so good. And then literally within an hour they called me. And they're, so it was like, I think it was a Friday this time, bro, and I'm like, they're like, it was Friday. I'd already trained in the morning. I'd already done like my sprint session. Got to like 11. I had a meeting in the morning. I hadn't even eaten yet. I was like, in my head, I'm like, I'm not training. I'm not sparring or anything. Like I'm going to go home and eat at like lunchtime. Called me at like 11 and they're like, hey, can you be here at 2? And spa, and I'm like, we're, we're like, we need some good rounds. I'm like, you've just dropped a bomb on me at like 11, but I'm like, what an opportunity. One of the best I'm catching it, I'm grabbing it, you know what I mean? So I went home, ate carbs, water, like drinking <laughs> coffees. I got there, sparred really well. So then we did wanted 10 rounds. He wanted, he did five with me and five with another guy. I did five rounds, and I got out of the ring, and they're like, you know, this guy holds his own. He's good. He's done really well. He speaks for himself, speaks really well. And like, I was, I was like, happy as for the opportunity you know what I mean I went there to learn you know and he was just I knew 
the, his speeding, sorry, his speed and his timing was impeccable. You know what I mean? He was good. It was his first bar as well. And it had been my first bar since my last fight in May. I hadn't sparred for like six, seven weeks, but I'm like, I'm not, there's no way this opportunity is going to slip from underneath me. So we had sparred together, did really well, held my own really good. And I got called back two or three times. So I was his main sparring partner in Melbourne. No way. Did he, yeah. what, did he ever like speak to you about? Oh, like I spoke this? to him. Like, I was, he's a very humble guy, man. Like same thing, kind of sells an image that like, you know, I spoke to him. He was a gentleman. And I, one thing I, I said to him, I'm like, you know, welcome to Melbourne. Have you have you been able to explore? And, you know, he was saying locally, bro. You thought he was saying this. He was saying locally. Yeah, I know. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, he's like, nah, man, I'm not here for that. Like, I'm here for one thing. And I'm like, oh, like, you wow. know, it wasn't even the heat. The mentality for him wasn't even about going out and exploring Melbourne. It was about can you come here to win. So I got to kind of obviously do a few more spas and like obviously pre-fight night, I was like, George is fantastic at what he does as well. Like he's a, he's a, he's a great boxer. He's got a lot of accolades and his speed and timing, obviously, and his, his aggression is known for. Um, I, everyone kept asking me like, who's side are you on? I'm like, man, I can't support, not support the Aussie. Mm. I'm an Australian. Mm. You know what I mean? But I'm like, it's not going to be an easy fight. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's from my experience with Devin. I'm like, he's going to, he's coming out strong. Yeah. And, Cause you would have had like perfect insight. So did yeah. you kind of see that? Not necessarily, like not necessarily the way the fight went, but like, did you kind of see that for Cambosis is, is going to be harder than? Lopez. I knew it was going to. I be- knew it was going to be hard. I never thought like I never. I don't know. Like even in my friendship group, we'd always have talk about it and stuff like that. I knew both of them are great boxers. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They're both. I think it was just like, I don't know. Um, maybe Devin was a little bit smarter behind the jab. And no, sorry, when I say smarter, like when um, Cambosis fought Tiafimo Lopez. TFM walked out trying to wreck him in the first round, got yeah, caught, and then Cambosis just just schooled him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, George, uh, sorry, one one of the things was that um, uh, Devin Haney said we're not going to we're going out. We're sticking behind the jab, and I was like, okay, so it's going to be it's going to be a chest fight the whole fight. Mm-hmm. Both of them are great great jabs, both speed. So the whole fight it was just like tip for tat kind of thing, you yeah. know? It was a bit of a boring fight for a neutral, unless well, you're like a if boxing you, if enthusiast. You weren't, if you didn't understand boxing, people well, were like, yeah, like, like people you, were like, that was boring. I'm like, dude, that was one of the, yeah. that was a chess fight, bro. Like he was literally, it was like hit and knock it. It was hit. art, bro. Yeah. It was art. You know what I mean? Like that um, jab was unbelievable, that yeah. whole fight. Yeah, exactly. So it was an incredible opportunity, obviously, to share so many rounds with him as well, but also, like, you know, I was ringside as well. Shout out to E as well for the yeah, ticket. Yeah, no boy. Um, but, yeah, like, obviously, it was incredible. His training camp was super professional. Obviously, yeah. when I was younger, man, I used to watch Floyd Mayweather on, on YouTube and stuff like that. And, like, they talk about, like, they have, like, a all of them around the ring, man. Like, he lands one jab, everyone's like, ooh, you know what I mean? I'm like, bro, didn't even touch me, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Is that what they do? Yeah, they bro, yeah. So they have, like, a, he has, like, an entourage, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, it was just me and my trainer there, that's it. And they had, like, 15 <laughs> Americans. Bro, that's but I loved it, though, you know what I mean? I was there purely for the learning experience. What an experience, man. Yeah. That's, um, that's pretty special, bro. I feel like boxing is the only sport, like, where you can – at any level, you can be in the same environment as the world champion. Yeah. And you can get called in yeah. to fight. Like in soccer, yeah. like I can't just get a phone call from Ronaldo saying, hey, man, he just wants to go do yeah, some run yeah, throughs yeah, again. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, That's yeah. why that's so yeah. special, It bro. was special, man. And it's like it proved to me that that was like another thing. It proved to me I belong on the world stage. Like yeah. I'm obviously early pro- um, stages of my pro career, but like he's now the unified uh, world champion and like I held my own. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, that's got to that's gotta mean something. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And then obviously, yeah, the elbows kind of threw me out a little bit. But look, I'm I, once I'm back, like it's the same mentality. Like oh. I've got a lot to prove, and I'm coming back hungry, man. I know that's going to put some fire in your belly as Absolutely. well, for sure. But yeah. just so, just with the fight number two, because I know you're going to 
you got to tilt with your hat to the Aussie. But more specifically, what what would in your eyes George need to change uh, um, to combat maybe what Haney fight number two? Like obviously. Devin Haney kind of won the fight with his lead hand. You know what I mean? He, he never really landed any big shots on George. It was just the, the 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 accuracy and the timing of the lead hand. So I think obviously being the Aussie team, they're gonna like they're gonna do their research and they're not they're just not gonna fight the same fight. So I think like for him, it's about like I don't know, creating maybe creating more movement and trying to like him as opposed to him getting barraged with lead hands, reverse the role. Okay. You know what I mean? When when there's when someone throws a punch and you throw a punch, you kind of muck up what they're trying to do. You know what I mean? Maybe it might be first. You lead off first mm. instead of waiting to get caught the, the, with the jab. Mm. You know, uh, but it'd be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, man, I can't. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait at all. It's going to be a hell of a fight. It's coming up as well. I'm surprised it's back in Melbourne. That just shows me actually. When I you think s- it's at um, Rod Laver, is it? So I think it's at Rod Laver. So Marvel was obviously very big. Yeah, but I don't think the top level was like full. So I think they've gone to Rod, La- right. Rod Laver. I think. I think. Do you know, just as you say that before, because I do want to just talk about some of your pro fights, but. Um, just as you say that about Haney, he's like, no, we're not here to explore. We're here for one thing. Yeah. I was like, this guy does not give a fuck, bro. Because yeah. I know you get a rematch clause always, but he's taking the rematch clause back in yeah. Yeah, 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 hometown. Yeah. Usually after a win, a rematch you clause would be back there. Absolutely. You're the unified world champion. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. like, I'll come back there and do it. Yeah, he's, just, he's got no yeah. fear, bro. Yeah, exactly. He was relentless. Yeah, relentless, bro. And for, with you, because you had some relentless three pro fights, six months. I was at the first one, which was like, yeah. man, that wasn't an easy fight. The guy was nah. like a mixed martial artist. Then your third fight, I was that world champions as well yeah, like dude. he'd been around the block you know, <laughs> when you were and, coming out he was laying on top of the like the ropes and yeah shit. Like, this guy's yeah 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 cocky ass. um it was good man i landed my shot i did what <clears> i needed <throat> to do to win you know what i mean i knew it was going to be a hard fight and i said my management are amazing and we've always said we don't want easy fights yeah. so like going back to the drawing board it was um just just be smart you know what yeah. I mean? Like with small gloves now, things things change, man. You know, like yeah. I remember hitting him with the jab and I was like, whoa, that was quick. You know, like, <laughs> that was quick. Or, or like difference, like say, for example, if you're catching shots, like it, it, you feel heat. Yeah. Like it's hot, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like in the amateurs, you've got pillows on your hands. Uh, now it's like you're getting heat with your cooking mittens. You, you, know part, I mean? you partly answered this question, but I wanted to ask you, what, what is the difference between a pro and amateur fight for you? So like, is it is it significantly different? Um, or is not it- sig- they don't, I think the sh- what I do doesn't change. Right. But in terms of like you have to be smart, man, there is no like I could walk in on people and like catch shots and give two yeah, or three, yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. I, like in the, in the pros it's like you've just got to be smart, man. It takes one punch to like change the game, you know, like you've got to be on it. Otherwise, you're not going to be, you know what I mean? Things yeah. will change in a split second in boxing. So yeah. it's about really just being smart, yeah. smarter than what you were previously, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. No, or else, yeah. Well, and also because I feel like, I don't know what you're like, but I feel like genuinely if I was a boxer, I would have huge ego around record. Like yeah. I'd love seeing the numbers. I'd love seeing yeah. it tilt my way. Is that big in your mind or do you um, kind of try and distance wrong. yourself like it, from do, that? It does. It does. It's in the back of my mind, but it's not the be all and end all. That's good. You know what I mean? I like like that for me, make- it's like I want good fights. I want people to know that I'm not ducking anyone or anything like that. It's more about um, – Getting the 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 right fights, you know what I mean. I won't fight anyone just because I can knock out a taxi driver in the first round and build to ten and zero, go overseas yeah. and get smoked. That's what yeah. a lot of Aussies had done that pro- previously. They'll just fight anyone, and then when it comes to the big time fights, they're like, "Fuck, where's the pressure? Yeah. Pressure's way too much." So, yeah. if you build and you build and you build and you take the right fights, that kind of sits in the back of my mind, and it's about making the the perfect bloody. You know, don't get me wrong. You don't want to make the perfect record. The perfect record doesn't exist. Obviously, Floyd Mayweather does, but like the perfect record to me is like I don't want to be ever known. I just took easy fights and I flogged everyone. And then when it comes to hard fights, you know what I mean? Mm. For me, Jason Malia, people know that 
I'm taking fights that I need to take to build my record to get me where I want to be. It's not the be all and end all kind of thing. You yeah, know? I don't think anyone can question your first three fights, but nah, fucking I've had proper some, uh, fights. Man. Yeah, but um, for you, a couple more questions. Then we have got one little segment that we do. But um, what's the end goal? Like for you, what? I, I want to be a world champion, and I won't stop until I get there. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And like when people talk to me, man, I can say I want to be a world champion. I will be a world champion. Yeah. You know, whether it's I, you know, in a few years to come, I'm gonna build. I'm gonna get there. I know I will. Yeah. I've got the correct support team, the good coaching team, the strength team, my coaches. Shout out to all my coaches like we've got one vision and that's that yeah you know what i mean i know i'm not gonna stop until i get there bro man didn't blink when he said that bro that's nah. guys talking real talk here bro <laughs> <laughs> the Maltese Oreo, bro. i'm ready it. to go in here bro after that that's Fuck. It. let's go boy. <laughs> let's go now actually we just I've, i'm starting this segment we're gonna start off with you but um i'm picking three skill sets that i think are really critical to athletes in general people in general but athletes specifically that went to you know that's got you to where you are now that's got you to the top and i want you to pick one of these three that you think's been the most powerful for you so we've got drive resilience and ambition which resilience, one resilience Re for resilience me. yeah resilience for sure yeah. like the shit that i've been through it'll never break me like it'll just correct it it, it it puts fire in the belly to be better you know what i mean like i don't even have to think about it i've been through some shit with boxing before and i know there's probably going to be shit to come but I will get there and no matter no matter how I get there, I know I will get there. Probably. You know what I mean? Like it can be, I don't know, man, resilience is the big thing for me now. I've been through some shit with boxing and it's just like, it just makes me who I am. Yeah, you know man. what I mean? So what, the one thing that I think about, like one day when I retire, I mean, I'm going to write a book. You know yes, what I mean? Right. I always think about this is like my thing. I'm not going to write the book, man. And this book's going to be interesting because it's like adversity. You know what I mean? I actually read a quote the other day that said adversity is an investment. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, like that just hit me. Yeah. And I'm like, you can go through what you go through, but you go through, you grow through what you go through. Yeah. You know? Fucking nice, bro. Well, man, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. Jason Malia, man. I, I was there for your first fish. I'll be there for your next fight. I'm sure I'll be there for the last one, brother. Last well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the last one. But thank you for coming on, bro. I appreciate you having me. Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details.